Episode 305, November 2nd, 2017. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the G-Talk Show. With Tammy on Wrangler. Tony and Josh on Cherokee. So sit back. Strap in. And Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is brought to you by Amazon.com. It's official. We're past Halloween and the holidays are closer than ever. And if you're looking to get some of that holiday shopping done early, consider supporting the show with your online purchases. Just go to JeepTalkShow.com slash Amazon. It's that easy. And every purchase you make on Amazon using that link, a small percentage of that will be donated to the Jeep Talk Show. Remember, JeepTalkShow.com slash Amazon. And thanks in advance. All right, big recall alert, folks. Jeepers, heads up to you and all of your off-road buddies and pretty much anyone out there within the sound of my voice. This one's kind of serious. There's a massive recall that affects virtually all of us, and I needed to open the show with this news above all else. Frankly, it could be a matter of life or death. Most off-road enthusiasts, us Jeepers included, have on board our Jeeps, UTVs, or other recreational vehicles, a fire extinguisher. Kid A, one of the world's largest fire extinguisher manufacturers, just recalled over 130 different models, totaling over 37 million units, and one of them is likely in the back of your Jeep right now. It could be next to your workbench or by your desk at work. Maybe you have one in your garage. Perhaps it's in the kitchen. This recall includes all Kid A fire extinguishers manufactured between January 1st, 1973 and August 15th, 2017. You heard those dates right including models that were previously recalled in March 2009 and February 2015. The extinguishers were sold in red, white, and silver and are either ABC or BC rated. The model number is printed on the fire extinguisher label. For units produced in 2007 and beyond, the date of manufacture is a 10-digit date code printed on the side of the cylinder near the bottom. Digits 5 through 9 present the day and year manufacture in day, 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 year, year format. Uh, date codes for recalled models manufactured from January 2nd, 2012 through August 15th, 2017 are 00212 through 22717 for units produced before 2007. A date code is not printed on the fire extinguisher. Okay, for those of you who eyes glazed <laughs> over like mine, trying to memorize wow. all that, don't sweat it. I know, trust me. I, I, I wanted to get that information out there, but I know that you guys weren't listening. So I'll tell you here in a second the best way to tell if your fire, ex- fire extinguisher is part of this recall and what to do next. I must warn you guys, this is a serious matter. We're talking over 40 years worth of fire extinguisher manufacturing here. If you guys don't take care of this right away, when you do need a fire extinguisher and the one that you grab is defective, well, let's just say things getting hot won't be your only concern. There's already been one reported death surrounding the failure of the plastic around the nozzle and countless reports of malfunction, nozzle clogging, or no discharge at all. And when your Jeep, home, or someone's life is depending on that extinguisher working, we need to trust that it will. Okay, so grab your fire extinguishers, then call Kid A toll-free at 855-271-0773 or go online to www.kidde.com and click on the product safety recall. It's a very easy button right there in the middle. You guys should be able to find it. And, of course, uh, we'll keep you guys appro- apprised of uh, this recall and, and all others here on the show. Well, uh, in other news, guys, the new Daniel axle, axle plant is opening up here. 
And uh, Dana on Wednesday officially opened up a $75 million axle plant that will employ 350 people, building up to 1 million axles per year for the next generation Jeep Wrangler and the new Scrambler pickup. The 300,000 square foot axle plant was built on the same site where the former Willys Overland produced millions of Jeeps and other vehicles, including the World War II era MB, the historic predecessor of the Wrangler. Dana has continuously supplied components for the Wrangler and its predecessors, the CJ and the MB, since Jeeps first started rolling off in the, in the line in Toledo in 1941. The redesigned Dana 30 and Dana 44 axles used on the next generation Wrangler are lighter and stronger than their predecessors, according to Dana CEO James Cam Kamzikas. Production at the new Dana plant began on Monday, and already the new generation of Dana axles are on their way to the Toledo assembly plant just three miles away. How cool would it be to have Dana as your neighbor? Well, hey, big thanks to all of you guys out there who continue to help us out by submitting stories for This Week in Jeep. If you got something you think we should be reporting on or you got a response to any one of our stories, well, be sure to let us know. Send us an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com. So I right. was going to use this as a prop for my stuff tonight, but I have my fire extinguisher right here. And I'm trying to figure out if mine's on the list or not, and I cannot figure it out. Well, chances Hello. are, if it's white, <laughs> silver, or red. <laughs> uh, yeah, if it's any, any, any of them. Now, I have, a, I have an issue. Because um, my number doesn't match up with what you were saying, but. Oh, well, well likely, no. likely you just need to go to the site, yeah. and uh, they will direct you to. Right. Need to go. Sorry, guys. I, I took a swallow of water and it went down the. Down <coughs> oh, tube, thank so goodness! Uh, I was afraid you dying were dying over here. <laughs> I was afraid you were doing the same thing as uh, Tammy. Uh, I was going to say both. Uh, both you guys have a uh, a coughing issue tonight. Thankfully, I'm. I'm no, no, okay. I have a drowning issue. That's yeah, what my yeah. <laughs> Don't you hate that? You know, show going on and you swallow the wrong way. Uh, oh, and so I was like so, totally leaving Tammy hanging there. So uh, no, Tammy. Chances are, um, if you if you purchased a fire extinguisher from Kitty in the last I don't know forty years, uh, <laughs> then likely you are, are affected by this. Wow. You know, we are talking, we're talking over thirty-seven million units worldwide. Is this like here. the world's largest recall ever? Um, oh, I don't oh, know about my. the world's largest product recall ever. Uh, we'd have to go to Consumer Reports to uh, to get that information. But um, likely this is definitely up there in in uh, as far as the list goes. I mean, this this is pretty massive, and it does affect a lot of people in in virtually every industry ever. Yeah. Um, it affects right. me. I mean, I've got I've got mine right right here, and I'm going to be actually going through the process of uh, going through the recall and finding out what it's going to take and and all that sort of stuff. I will let you guys know what my process was, how easy it was, and and what my recourse is for uh, getting my fire extinguisher recall taken care of. Uh, so I, how that happens, I you know I don't know yet. Uh, I'm going to call that number the same as you guys. I'm going to go to the website, same as you guys. Go through the motions, and we'll see what happens, and I'll let you guys know next week. And again, my apology for, I think it was last week, last episode, telling everybody to buy two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a it'll be a profit deal. So, uh, Josh, I have a question uh, about the uh, about the recall. Oh, actually, yeah. I've heard a rumor that I wanted to share with people. There's oh, actually okay. there there's a, a minor issue with the with the uh, the fire extinguishers, but the the real reason that the that there's a, they want to recall this is they have definitive information that Jimmy Hoffa has been split into all 37 million of these fire extinguishers, and they're trying to collect the body. <laughs> trying to solve a long-term mystery. Part of that JFK information that came out. 
And the other thing, yeah, I can, I can hear the crickets. I think I can no, hear the crickets. It's just you guys. The audience is going wild with laughter. Yeah, they're laughing so, so hard. Well, at least all the ones in red Jeeps. So uh, the the other thing is my wife likes to say Target instead of Target. Are, are you doing the same thing with this kitty fire extinguisher? Are you just saying Kiday so you can sound fancy? It's, there's there's no I after the D, so it's it's Kiday. Uh, I think that's I believe it's how the 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 company pronounces it themselves. I I used to call them Kitty. Oh yeah, you know, way of back. Then. I mean they've been they've been manufacturing stuff longer than I've been alive. So um you know the, the I mean from smoke detectors to fire extinguishers to I mean all sorts of things guys uh, they're they're they got their thumbs in a lot of pudding uh, but that name has been around yeah. you know been a household name for, they, for decades they should have been paying attention to fire extinguishers instead of their pudding yeah. uh what uh and you and this there's a, a, a several different issues that with with the fire extinguishers primarily it's the primarily it's the plastic up on top of the fire extinguisher and so the information that I have is that whether it's the collar itself the nozzle or the valve within uh, within the the mechanism itself, there there is a defect, and because you know this design of the top of the fire extinguisher has changed across 134 models over 40 years, um, there's a lot of things that can go wrong here. There's a lot of different plastic that fails, a lot of parts that maybe didn't quite pass QC the way they should, or in the case of some of these, it just disintegrates. Uh, the plastic gets brittle over time mm -hmm. and, and starts to break down. And when you go to use your fire extinguisher, you pull that pin and all of a sudden the top of the fire extinguisher comes off and all that product under all that pressure under there is suddenly released all at once. My and uh, that's what happened in the case of this one death. Uh, that was reported in this. Oh, seriously, there was a death yeah. associated with it. Okay, I, yep. I think I heard the possible death in, in your story. I didn't realize somebody actually had died from this. My goodness, that is very serious. And how dare anyone make jokes about it? Um, so <laughs> anyway, uh, well, that's uh, that's interesting. Oh, and the Dana thing. That, yeah, I, I agree. That would be, uh, I'd be hanging out by the front gates at Dana going, you got any spear axes, man? I'll just take parts. I know, right? Can you help us well, out? I'm very curious about some of the specs on the new Dana 30. I mean, obviously, that's that's not going to be something that you're going to be able to pull out of the junkyards uh, as easily as you can a Dana 30 nowadays. Mm -hmm. uh, but this next generation of axles, the Dana 30 and the Dana 44, I'm really curious to see what some of the numbers are on those. And as soon as I get up some of that information, dig up some of that information, I'll let you guys know and, and share that with you to find out just how much stronger a Dana 30 is in the new generation than it is prior. You know, I'm thinking uh, somebody at the Dana uh, uh, company would be a good uh, good guest interview. I'd like to ask mm -hmm. them some questions about the Dana 30. Are they actually going to make one that uh, doesn't have to be modified extensively for 37s? Well, hey, guys, coming up later in the show, Tammy's going to talk about the lockers in the Jeep Rubicons. We'll find out a little bit more about that. And, uh, of course, guys, stay tuned. Next week, we're going to have a great interview we're going to be talking with Stephanie Lynch, the Southeast Texas Jeep girl who is actively rebuilding her Jeep. We don't want to miss this story, guys. I'll just uh, throw this teaser in. She's talking about putting a diesel in her JK. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, and uh, something equally cool that we've been uh, talking about or, or Nate from Wrangler Extreme has been talking about is uh, Jeeping with kids. And uh, now he wants to talk to us about restraint. I think he's talking I'd about like keeping the kids that. in the seat, but it may uh -oh. be 
Parental. Could be straight jackets. Could be the straight <laughs> yeah. jackets. I'm I'm, kind of, I'm crossing my fingers. I'm hoping. I'll see what happens. If you don't shut up, if you don't quit touching your sister, I'm going to turn this Jeep around. <laughs> hey, folks, this is Nate with another edition of Wrangler Extreme. Tonight, we're going to continue the Jeeping with Kids series with a little bit of talk about how to restrain your kids. And I don't mean with rope. What child seat your kid should be in depends on their age. And each state has laws around what that progression is. I found that uh, AAA's Driving Laws page has a, is a great resource for finding out what your state's laws are. They distill a lot of the driving laws for various states into a little more of a average person readable uh, <laughs> sort of format. So I'm basing this segment on the Pennsylvania laws because that's the state I live in and it what, it's what affects me. You should probably check that site or wherever you normally check for such boring things as driving laws if you're really that curious as to how it affects you. Infants up to a year old should be in a rear-facing infant carrier or car seat. These are sometimes hard to fit in the back of a Wrangler. Uh, use your judgment here. I know that the four-door is a little more accommodating of larger things in the back seat, but I can say that the TJ, the LJ, the YJ, even the two-door JK, uh, fitting these things in the back are pretty much of a pain in the butt. You really need to move the, the front seats forward to give yourself some extra room, unless you put them toward the middle, in which case the two side seats are a little less uh, useful. The whole idea of a rear-facing seat is to, is to protect an infant's neck in uh, the event of a front-end collision. So it's really important that you have young children, who, especially ones who can't hold their head up on their own yet, in a rear-facing seat. After they graduate out of the rear-facing seat, they should be in a front-facing seat until they're around the age of four. These seats almost always feature a kid-sized five-point harness, and they're designed to be attached to the latch anchor points in your vehicle. If your Jeep has them, uh, use them. Uh, they showed up somewhere in the early 2000s, from what I can tell, in, at least in the TJ. Uh, I can say that my 2001 XJ didn't have them, but my 2005 LJ does. So I'd assume that, you know, somewhere between 05 and 01, they started incorporating them in the Jeep vehicles. From ages 4 to 8, your child should be in a booster seat. These come in many varieties. We usually use the sort that are just sort of a seat base that raises your kid up a little bit so that they fit the, the standard seat belts a little better. Once your child's in a booster seat, you could start thinking about incorporating a full harness. Um, adding a full harness to the back of my Jeep gave me a little bit of peace of mind when my kids are in the back. Now, obviously, my younger daughter is still in a car seat, so it doesn't matter as much. My older daughter, who's seven now, we started incorporating a four-point harness along with her booster seat when she was about five. In my experience, the sort of booster seat that I just described, the seat base that just raises the child up a little bit, works really well with a four-point harness. You could probably use a three- or a five-point harness as well, uh, but I don't have any experience with those. Originally, I was under the impression that a harness would actually be unsafe for kids, but I decided to bite the bullet and go ahead and get a harness bar for the back of the Jeep and get a four-point harness and get it installed and see how it worked out. I figured worst-case scenario, I'd pull it back out and use it later when they were a little bit bigger. But I found that, that at five years old, it restrained my daughter pretty well. And as she gets bigger, it just gets even better. I also wasn't able to find any facts online that actually backed up this, uh, this premise that, that harnesses weren't safe for children. I mean, obviously, these harnesses are designed for adults, but they're very adjustable. So you can certainly make them smaller to fit kids. I do have a YouTube video online about how I installed the harness in the back of my Jeep. I'd be happy to share a link to that. All right, I think that's enough for tonight. So uh, thanks for listening, and tune in next time for more information on Jeeping with Kids. Oh, thanks. there's there's more. Uh, so, Nate, you owe us something. I was looking in Dropbox tonight, 
And I, this is the last one I saw. So get busy, dude. <gasps> and share the link with us, Nate. Share it. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that information. It's it's a lot of, you know, it's something that a lot of people don't think about. Uh, and they probably even don't even consider taking their kids out thinking that, uh, it's going to screw up their fun. I mean, I'm sorry. It's going to not be safe for the kids to be there. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's a great way to to get a, a new generation of uh, Jeepers off-road uh, folks out there. And, of course, at the time, you can teach them how not to litter, <laughs> which is a great thing to do on trails. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Just what is the 4x4 Radio Network, you might be asking? Well, it is your one-stop place to go to get all of your off-road audio needy. We got a ton of podcasts over there, guys, a bunch of shows producing all kinds of stuff for you. It's all off-road related. The 4x4 Radio Network. It's 4x4radionetwork.com. We got have the 4x4 podcast, the Center Steer podcast, Trail Chasers podcast. We're there, too. It's all free. Nothing to sign up for, guys. Just head over to 4x4radionetwork.com right now. Now, I'm not saying Cody is going to be doing any interviews in SEMA, but I would like to say that Cody is in SEMA, and Cody, of course, does the Trail Chasers podcast. Oh, he's there? Yep, yep. Uh, I totally missed that. uh, Lucky uh, SOB. Yeah, he sent me a message. I had sent him a a question about something, and he said, just FYI, I think it was a nanana boo-boo, actually. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. That's exactly (laughs) what it was. (laughs) I'm getting ready to get on the plane and head out to SEMA. (laughs) By the way. So it wasn't anything we were talking about, but I thought I'd just let you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, if, uh, if you went to SEMA, you may have seen Cody out there. Shut up and listen. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut up. Shut up, Shane. Hey, shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler talk. It's time for G-Mama. So last week, Josh was talking about the different kinds of lockers. And one of the lockers he didn't mention, unless I missed it because I was too busy shopping, <laughs> shopping for chatting. cheap stuff. Yeah. Um, it's called the True Lock. And True Lock comes with the Rubicons. It's just that little button that you push um, on the Jeep Wrangler Rubicons. However, it's just a tad more complicated than that. Well, at least for me anyways, and what I find out, what I... What I've found out when I'm out on the trails, it, I always get confused. And um, I think mainly it's because I very rarely use my lockers. Um, I like to challenge myself trying to get up over the hill or up on the rock on my own. Um, I've used my lockers a few times out on the trails, but it's always a good refresher to remember how to turn them on and off. And it's more than just a push of the axle lock button. There's a certain way and a certain sequence that you have to push them to get the rear and the fronts to lock and to unlock. Now, if you have an owner's manual, like the one I have here, um, if you don't, Jeep will send you one for your vehicle. Um, You just go online and ask them like I did. Anyway, like I said, there's a certain way to activate it. And um, just for all the Rubicon owners out there that are listening, I just thought if you don't have a manual, I thought I'd walk you through it to activate the system. First, you press the bottom of the axle lock button. Now, when you press the bottom at once, it locks the rear axle only. And sometimes that's all you really need. Now, to make sure it's engaged, you have to check your dashboard to make sure that the rear axle lock indicator light comes on. Now, if you press the bottom part of this button a second time, this will lock the front axle. 
Now, if you want to go back to just the rear locked, you press the bottom button again to switch the fronts off. And make sure you pay attention to that indicator light because it's going to flash until the axles are fully locked or unlocked. And now this is where you need to be patient. It's not instantaneous, and it gives a, takes a few seconds to make sure you're locked or unlocked. And that was my mistake. I just kept pushing the button, and I didn't <laughs> wait for things to fully engage or disengage. And I'm like, oh, my God, the light's not coming on, and it's flashing. And so it's just a, a lot of patience. Now, to unlock it, you press the top of the axle lock um, switch. Remember, you also need to be in four low to activate the axle lock and your sway bars. So once you take your Jeep out of four low, both, all these systems are going to disengage, so you don't need to worry about that. And if you turn your ignition off, this is also going to disengage the axle locks. So I suggest if you're not familiar with how the button works, um, to refresh yourself before you go off-road, which I'm going to start adding that to my checklist because when I was – on the trail, when I was at Women's Wheeling, we went through some mud. I actually, my Jeep sat in mud while I was waiting um, for my turn on this one obstacle, and I could not get up and over this little puny little rock. And I tried different things, and so finally we turned on um, my lockers, and when it was time to turn them off, I just wasn't patient enough. I couldn't remember how. And anyway, so it's just a good thing to um, refresh yourself. So let me ask you: Do you is there anything that you have to do? Uh, do you have to be sitting, sitting? I'm sorry, sitting still. Can you be moving? Is there a certain speed that you can you have to be going? Uh, no, you can't refer to the manual now, Tammy. You should have done this before the show. <laughs> no, I was just there was a certain miles per hour you can't. Okay, use so there is a limit. Yeah, you can't over ten miles per hour. You can't. I've always done it when I'm stopped. Okay. Um, oh, that's. A, I think that would be the most, yeah. uh, the the easiest time to think and not be in a stressful situation. Right. So I was I was kind of think hoping that you didn't have to be moving to get them to lock. No. Um, the other thing is too is it takes a while for them to engage. So it's you know you're you're going to want to do it before I. You know, you start going mm-hmm. or trying to go up or over. But I mean, you how, can whatever you're. If if you fail in your attempt or you cannot cross because of the terrain, the type of terrain is not conducive to you know one wheel or two wheel drive. Uh, you can you press the button then and then hit the hit the obstacle afterwards, right? right? So right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's a great thing, a great way of doing it. So, do you know if any damage can occur uh, to the locker if you do not al- allow it to engage properly? Any warnings um, in the book about that? No, I just think it's not going to, I just think it won't engage and you're still going to not be able to get on the obstacle. That would be my opinion of it. But um, the reason why I ask is, is that uh, I know on my 1983 Chevrolet pickup with the, uh, the brand new at the time uh, automatic locking front hubs, it very clearly says in the book, make sure both. <laughs> Both hubs are engaged, otherwise serious damage can occur to your axle. So right. that always made me extremely nervous on my brand new truck. And uh, you had to listen for clicks. 
It was the worst thing I think I have right. ever been through. I would much rather have just gotten out and turned the the you know the knob or the the, the thing to engage or disengage. So uh, when you say that it flashes, it made me think. Well, I wonder if the if it has to be fully engaged before you can go, and that's the reason why that they're doing the flashing. Ah, uh, maybe. You know, so that that's the reason. It why doesn't. For that yeah, there's no warnings or the only note it has is the indicator light will flash until the axles are fully locked or unlocked. So I guess maybe you should just, I'm assuming maybe you just wait until yeah. it stops flashing. Let those well, bastards and those beer cans that are just uh, right. sl- slicing by your uh, your glasses, let them go and wait till the, the Jeep's ready. Right. Hey, folks, coming up later in the show, we'll talk about off-road <laughs> land use, wheeling with Jeeps, and lots more with Clinton Duncan, the president of the Texas Four-Wheel Drive Organization. And if you guys are looking for a source of Jeep tech info, how-tos, and a gathering of fellow like-minded Jeepers, then head over to our forum, jeeptalkforum.com. Once there, you can engage with other Jeepers, ask questions, get answers to your build questions, check out Show and Shine and Off-Road Picks, read about events, modifications, even find a selection of some written transcripts right from segments here on the Jeep Talk Show. If you're worried about how you're going to be treated, nah, nothing than that. There's no flaming, no making fun, and of course, no such thing as a stupid question. Whether you're brand new to the Jeep world or you're on your second Jeep or your 27th Jeep, well, there's something for everybody over at jeeptalkforum.com. Oh, and I'll mention really quick, if you guys uh, have uh, tried going to the site uh, in the past oh, several months and you've had limited success with uh, seeing all the icons be populated on your screen and just basically being uh, irritated by going to the site, uh, I've fixed that. <laughs> Yay! Uh, you guys need to tell me when things ain't working exactly right. Uh, no matter how moody I get about it, I have a lot of things to fix guys. And I, I get a little upset sometimes when something else is broken again. But, uh, if you've had limited success and go into the, the site and it's been, it comes up, but you would see things missing and, uh, probably uh, very, uh, very frustrating. Uh, try it now and see if it doesn't work better for you. Yeah, it's very frustrating, Tony. I, I'm I'm missing several zeros at the end of my bank statement. Is there something you can do about fixing yeah. that? Not legally, and uh, nothing I can uh, <laughs> <laughs> nothing I can agree to on the air. Well, hey guys, we uh, love hearing from you, and we love even better when you guys give us a review and leave us a comment. Of course, we always take constructive criticism very seriously. We read all of our reviews live on the air. We got one here from Facebook. Where Scott Weston has given us a five-star review. Tony, what does he say about us? Love the show. Lots of really good information on uh, and product reviews. Keep up the great work. Now, I'll just mention I uh, ran across uh, Scott in a post that he made in one of the uh, Jeep uh, mini Jeep pages that I'm uh, a part of. And apparently, they there is a podcast out there that Kevin and uh, his friend Scott do. Well, I don't know if they're friends. It, it could be like us. Uh, <laughs> we're now we're friends now. <laughs> For, well, anytime the I show's so. rolling, yeah. So anyway, they do a podcast called On the Trail Podcast, and uh, you can just go over to http colon slash slash on the trail podcast dot com. Well, you you can tell that the uh, the dot com stuff has really been out there a while when the the names of the the domains have to be so long. But uh, I, I hear it's more than worth the uh, the trouble in typing all that in. Just on the trail podcast.com. And Scott, thanks a lot for the great review. I have no idea what Tony's talking about. Half the time.com is available. Ooh. No, I'll be right back. I <laughs> <laughs> get that before somebody snaps it up. <laughs> <laughs> 
You got tech questions? Oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I can... It's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! Boy, adding or upgrading the lights on a Jeep is a great way to not only customize your ride, but also make it safer and a lot more enjoyable to drive. Now, there are many reasons to consider lighting options for your Jeep, and not just because aftermarket lighting looks cool, because it does, but maybe you live far away from where you work and you have to contend with crossing deer, bears, moose, or Sasquatch. Oh, my. Or you have an extreme weather conditions in, in your neck of the woods and you actually want to see where you're going. Imagine that, on or off the road. Maybe you have them installed on a work truck or an emergency vehicle where light is needed for rescue or safety concerns. Whatever the reason, lights are a big part of Jeeps and how they are used. Now, before we go and jump into new lights for your Jeep, well, there's a couple things we want to go over. The first thing is that any auxiliary wiring or electrical modifications made to your Jeep for the sake of installing lighting or anything else for that matter should be left to a qualified professional. Okay, there are three kinds of lighting solutions out there primarily. Driving lights, fog lights, and auxiliary lights, and that one's kind of a broad one, or off-road lights. I'll go over each type of their benefits and weaknesses and some of the things you'll want to consider before making your purchases. Okay, let's get into the different types of lighting. You heard me mention auxiliary lighting or off-road lights. These are typically very powerful lighting devices that project great distances. Some have mixed beam patterns, but all vary by manufacturer. You're starting to see them more and more as those large rectangular LED light bars that are quickly taking the place over in more and more Jeep windshields. They look cool, they're bright as hell, and they're usually illegal to use while driving on the road. Rock lights are another form of off-road lighting and also typically illegal to utilize while driving on the road. And These are lights that could be mounted in the wheel wells or tucked up under the frame, and their job is to illuminate the area directly around the tires and aid in wheel placement while off-road in the dark. Now, fog lights are normally mounted at or below bumper level. These are lights that light up the road for a short distance just in front of the vehicle. They're meant to pierce the fog and airborne particles such as dust or smoke close to the front of your vehicle. They typically have a beam pattern that shines wide for the sides and down for the short distance on the road. The pattern helps keep the lights below your eye level and from bouncing back off the fog and back into your face. Driving lights, however, are for distance similar to the high beams you already have, but they are aimed and dispersed forward, usually in rectangular or trapezoidal pattern, depending on the design. The idea is to light up far ahead and along the road so that you can see objects or hazards on the road long before you reach them. Lights like these are usually mounted at the same height or lower than your factory headlights. The goal is to use driving lights in conjunction with your high beams to really light up the night. Different lighting companies have different designs on how their product will shine and light up the night, so there are tons of choices out there on how you may want to mount them and use them on your own Jeep. But it's important to use the correct type of lighting you need, fog lights versus driving lights versus auxiliary lights, and work that into how they will be installed. If it's an off-road only light that you need, well, you'll want to consider and figure out just where on the Jeep it'll be mounted, on the roof, on the windshield frame. How many lights do you plan on using? How much power do you need? Some drivers like lights mounted up at a high roof level to shine way over everything, while some like them about hood height. It's really a matter of preference. With fog lights, you have to decide where on your bumper to mount them. And even if you have a bumper, and even if you do have a bumper that will accept the lights that you want, you can usually mount them in the bumper, above the bumper, sometimes even below it. The setup is up to you, depending on your goals and how you'll be using them. Of course, also how you use your Jeep. Now you guys know the quick differences between the different types of lights commonly used and where you need to mount them on your Jeep or your truck. There are also lots of different kinds of bulbs within the lighting products themselves. There's HID or high intensity discharge. Then there's the other gas filled bulbs like halogen or xenon. And then there's the direction that everything's leaning and that's LED or light emitting diodes. 
Next week in episode 306, we're going to go over in more detail the different types of bulbs, different types of housings, and the pros and cons of all of them. Don't want to throw too much at you all at once, so make sure you tune in each and every week. In the meantime, if you guys have a question about Jeep Tech, Mods, Electrical, or anything Jeep-related, maybe you just need advice on a build, well, shoot me an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com with the subject line Tech Talk. I'll answer your question directly, and I may even select your question to air here on the show. I have LED light bulb, 7-inch, uh, 9,000 lumen, uh, 6,000K uh, headlights coming for the TJ. Should be here tomorrow. Oh, very good. Now, these are the, are these the same ones that you put in, or the same version or more or less that you put in the XJ? I wish. Uh, the uh. ones I put in the XJ. The only downside to getting ones that would be like I put in the XJ would be the additional work I had to do to dim them down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm uh, serious. I'm serious, people. They were too bright to drive on the road. Now, I got these off of Amazon, jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon. And uh, they uh, they're, they say on there, DOT approved. But at 9,000 lumens, I'm wondering if that's true. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm hopefully the wife doesn't listen to the show, uh, but I'm going to put print off a little... Uh, copy of the uh the ad from amazon because i know that's legal in the state of texas so that she can show the cop if she gets pulled over <laughs> i'm like getting new right headlights here. too are you yes but I you have them. you have some headlights yeah the but remember how i had that headlight issue where yeah, the, the one was well not the flickering but how it's kind of like half like power or right. half lit up mm -hmm. it's really weird and you kind of hit it and it comes back on. Well, I hit it and it doesn't come back on anymore. And oh, I, okay. Yeah. So it's 100%. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, like my one headlight's at 100%. This one's probably at like 20%. Yeah, well, I mean, it's 100% bad now. <laughs> yeah. So um, Justice Off-Road, um, that's where I got my Molly tailgate panel. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he's a Western Maryland um, Jeeper. And business owner, so I'm getting the Rogue Two LEDs. So I just had uh, so. while you were talking, I had a chance to look it up because I forgot the name. Now I think this is a generic China-made headlight. Yeah. Because uh, I went cheap. I went. These are 99.99 at Amazon, and is is the um, I don't know how if you'd say it this way or not, but I'm gonna say it this way. Josh, uh, jump in there. X Bright. It's X P R I T E. 7-inch, yeah. 75-watt Cree, which I love the Cree LEDs. Yeah. Cree LED headlights, 9,000 lumens, high-low beam with daytime running light. It is not the halo, so you haters out there, just shut up. Uh, it's a, like these little bars that are up above and below the light. I'm sure you've seen them. A lot of people are, are, are running them. And in parentheses, it says DOT approved. Oh, oh and I, I skipped over. It's for the Jeep Wrangler uh, JKTJ. LJ 1997 through two, 2017, which I think is basically your you know your standard seven inch round headlight. But apparently these things come with the anti flicker cable, uh, so to fix it so that uh, that uh, if you if you're putting in a JK and you're you know doing that phase uh, phase modulated crap, uh, it's just to fix that. Uh, and uh, it's, of course it'll just be a direct uh, plug in for the TJ. So looking forward to getting that on there. I drove the. Um, the TJ back and forth to work. I can't remember why there was uh, some, Oh, the power, uh, power brake booster went out in my XJ. So I drove the TJ to work for a week. And since I leave around, uh, uh, five in the morning, it's still dark. Oh my God. It is horrible driving that damn Jeep, uh, with, uh, with the stock. I'm sorry. They're not even stock headlights. I put in a, 
a uh, one of those LMC truck harnesses to increase the current capacity to the lights, and I put the Sylvania yeah. uh, uh, Silver Stars in there, and that was a huge improvement. But after driving my Jeep with the the tone, going to say yeah, the toned down you- LEDs, it's it's still horrible. <laughs> Yeah, from what he said, most of the LEDs are from China. Yeah. Like the cheaper ones, they're just rebranded. Right. Um, the ones that are made in America, like, um, what are the companies? Uh, Is it Trucklight? Is that Trucklight uh, and uh, J. Shoot, I just. Rugged had Ridge? It. No. Um, Who's the ones? Who's the one that does sells the 1500 well, I mean, light bar, Josh? Oh, rigid. Rigid. There we go. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if they make headlights. They probably do for three JW's, billion dollars. Yeah. Now, so, now uh, what I've heard about these headlights, and I, I'm I'm sorry to make a whole segment out of this, but what I've heard about these headlights, the the bitching I've heard about it is, is that on low beams, it's it's okay. There, there's a nice wide pattern. It's close to the ground. Of course, you have to adjust things, but uh, but the high beams, uh, people complain about it's much too. It's much more of a spot. It's up high and is a a, a, a very narrow beam i don't really see a problem with that i mean brighter everywhere would be nice but let's get realistic about it and right do, do these things use one row of leds there's three rows of leds in this round headlight and for the low beams it uses one row uh, that i just think that's cool i can't imagine anybody getting anything but leds i mean if you guys want to do the hids and and the other things that josh was talking about that's great go ahead but me personally i think leds are, are going to be the wave of the future until the quantum dot stuff comes up. I really yeah. loved my my other the look of my other ones. It's just they don't they don't work. <laughs> the other so. guy, they got to be on. And uh, where did you get those, uh, Tammy? The the ones I'm getting now. The new no ones? the the ones that you're having the problems old with. Ones, the ox beam. Yeah, ox beam. So yeah, uh, the I one headlight works perfectly great. Did and you? I even added the um, the anti flicker harness, which I'm going to have to do with the ones I'm getting now. Right. Um. So I I don't know if it's the faulty LEDs or what the deal is. Did you uh, did you ever contact Oxbeam about this issue? Um, did I think I emailed them? I believe I I don't remember. They tell you to hit the light. No, <laughs> pull the old Bonzarelli on it. <laughs> that's, Tammy, that's something in have. the back something in the back of my head is telling me like like right after this that that issue started, you had reached out to them and and they had yeah. asked you to to check your install to check your wiring or whatnot. And I think we had even gone through a, a, a brief troubleshooting right. process and, and looking yeah, at I mean, some of the connections and ground points and stuff like that to, to kind of help eliminate some of that. And I, I think things just kind of fizzled out. It might have been a, a, a intermittent problem and it, right. it wasn't a consistent thing and it might have just kind of you know gotten swept under the rug more or less, back burner type of right. stuff. Well, the point I was yeah. going to make was is that you, you did contact them. They did respond and it was just kind of uh, uh, the issue was kind of dropped. You just you didn't pursue it any further than like that, right? Because uh, you know we're we're basically giving Oxbeam a ding before a, a, a faulty product, but it wasn't like they didn't take care of it. Uh, right. Tammy just didn't follow through on making them, continuing to make them aware of the issue and right. and uh, fixing it. Are are you are you considering that, is, uh, Tammy? Are you considering going back to them and maybe getting a replacement? Because uh, well, it'd they, be nice to have a, a I mean, spare. Yeah. And the thing is, uh, I didn't pay for those headlights. They right. asked me to test them out for them. You know, gosh, I don't know how long ago. But yeah, I should um, recontact them. But you know how things get in your life. Oh, of and, course. There's, you know, your to-do list gets mm-hmm. really long, and, and that you, was just way down there on the. And, and the you list. got and you got new headlights coming. I was just uh, I right. just want to make sure that uh, 
uh, that uh, everybody was clear. It's not. It's not. We're not uh, dinging them for having a bad product. No. It was because anything can happen, and there's multiple things that it could be. Uh, it may not. It may not even be the headlight. Just the, uh, the the connection point or something along those lines. And uh, I think I think I did try it out because Josh suggested switching the headlights. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm trying to remember if I did that or not. So I think when I go to take these out, I might switch them around and just see. Well, you know, as soon as you take the that. as soon as you take the first screw out uh, to take that that headlight off, <laughs> it'll come on go, bright. Yeah, it'll be twice as bright as the other one. Right. <laughs> Well, I feel very fortunate uh, tonight. We're going to have an interview with uh, Clint Duncan. And uh, I, I told Clint earlier that I, I want him to uh, uh, correct me uh, very aggressively if I call him uh, not Clint, but uh, Chris. I've been having that issue all day today when and uh, discussing things with Clint. But anyway, we're having, uh, we're having this interview with uh, Clint Duncan, Houston chapter president, Texas four-wheel drive, uh, statewide president, Texas four-wheel drive. And uh, current at-large member rep for TMTC, uh, and he's going to explain all this to us. Uh, Clint, thank you very much for being uh, with uh, Tammy and I here tonight. Thank you very much for having me. So first off, uh, we like to get a little information about the person we're talking to. It helps the audience uh, get a better feel for the person. Uh, where are you located, and uh, how long have you have you been there? I have, I'm in Houston, Texas. Um, I've pretty much been here for 40 years. Oh, oh you're, wow. you're an official uh, native then. If you've been here for longer than 20 <laughs> years and you're not yeah. in Dallas, you're a native. <laughs> I wasn't born in Texas, but I got here as fast as I could. Oh, I like that one. Uh, so uh, now, uh, what do you do in Houston besides all this fancy Texas four-wheel drive stuff? I'm actually a piping designer for an oil and gas company. Oh, yeah. It's got to be all in gas when you're in Houston, right? Yeah. Pretty much. That's the standard stock answer. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into this. Now, this is important, uh, I think. Uh, I know that Texas. Here we go again. (laughs) Well, I can go that direction, Tammy. I was actually going to do a serious question here. Now, we'll we'll get to the Jeep thing here in a minute. Uh, Now, this is something I've noticed for many, many years. since I got my Jeep, I, I guess I, I guess it was around that time, I noticed uh, over on West Green, close to I-10, this huge gathering of uh, off-road, off-road vehicles uh, every Friday night, like once a month. And uh, it, my understanding is, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but my understanding is that's a Texas four-wheel drive meeting. That is correct. That is our KD chapter that meets there. Excellent. So, and it's not I'm just sorry, Jeeps. Check. It's not just Jeeps either, folks. It's all kinds of four-wheel drives. Correct. Texas four-wheel drive is open to every four-wheel drive. If you've got a transfer case, you want to go off-road or go have some fun, we'll take you. Now, do, do you know if the new uh, Cherokee has a transfer case? I think it's an all-wheel drive system. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> technically, we would allow it. Oh, uh-huh. I was I was hoping you'd say no. Uh-uh, they can't come. <laughs> Uh, we so, just call them fiats then it's okay yeah there you go <laughs> so you're this texas four-wheel drive group it's like is this like um like a club a jeep club or are you guys like actually uh organization we are an organization I- we're we have multiple chapters throughout the state um dallas katie houston sugarland um most of our our most of our groups right now are houston centric but we do have uh some stuff uh, i did a run last weekend you guys plugged a couple of weekends ago and uh we're talking about setting up a tyler chapter as well um so we're basically scattered throughout the state we all talk 
We all know each other. All the presidents know each other. Um, and we and we'll just pile in and do these big, massive events. And so what what's the uh, what would you call it? What's your goal or your charter? Your, I guess I guess it would be your charter, yeah, your, wouldn't it? Right. Yeah. I mean, our charter is basically to unify um, all uh, four wheeling and 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 promote responsible, safe four wheeling adventures. Now, now, Clint, you've been doing the off road stuff for a number of years. About how old were you when you got into this? Uh, twenty two when I was asked to be the president of Houston. Oh my goodness, that's oh, wow. that's amazing. You're well, way too responsible. At least a lot more responsible than I'd ever be. Um, so speaking of responsibility, did you ever run a yard when you were young? Uh, I have, I will admit, and this will be of course out there. Yes, I have, I have done, uh, some illegal wheeling. I haven't rutted any yards, but I've been off road where I wasn't supposed to be. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing we used to do is rut the yard. So every time I hear about the responsible wheeling, I go, Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, it's the right thing to do, definitely. But it's like, oh, come on. We're a bunch of guys with uh, these great vehicles. We take them off-road, and sometimes we mess with our friends. The, yeah, but uh, you, actually, the first time I laid my Jeep over, I wasn't I wasn't supposed to be oh, where I was. no. That's Uh-oh. horrible. <laughs> I was so with a I, group of friends because you never wheel alone. Yeah. And uh, we uprighted it, fired it back up, and we drove on out of there. <laughs> So how many Jeeps have you been through in, in your career as a Jeeper? Surprisingly, my the one I my preferred one, I still own. I've owned it for over 20 years. That's oh, great. Awesome. And, and what kind of a Jeep is it? It's still in mostly good shape and it's still mostly Jeep-ish. Jeep-ish. <laughs> the mods, the mods. So, yes. so I go ahead and ask Tammy, let's get into this uh, this whole Jeep thing. Uh, well, and I'm not sure if Tony warned you but Tony started this little battle. It was Tammy. Here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're in this color battle. I have a black Jeep. He has a red Jeep. Of course, black Jeeps are cooler. Um, so we just like to ask our guests what color Jeep they now wheel think, in. Now think, after you've heard this, you need to think carefully about your answer, Clint. No, you don't. <laughs> well, currently to my, so my current paddock is three and a half Jeeps. So which colors do you oh. want? Your favorite Jeep. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's black. <laughs> of course. See, I knew that, Tony. Don't you dare play that. Play what? Wah, wah. <laughs> Tony always wait, plays. Wait, wait. Yeah. let me get a little couple of cool points. I also own a 47-2A. Does that count? What color is it? It's green. <laughs> no. Green's good. No, it should be red. <laughs> Josh has joined us. I can see him on the video just shaking his head and going, you don't paint that red. It's going to be green. Of course it's green. <laughs> Even where the green has flaked off, it's baby blue underneath. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. I wonder if it was an Air Force Jeep. So the, your favorite Jeep, what uh, what Jeep kind of Jeep is it or which, which version? It's a square headlight YJ. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, a YJ. I don't know. Uh, I know that you, I, th- I think both you and Josh look at the Instagram thing. Uh, I don't know if you remember that image uh, uh, of the sticker that I got off of the uh, the the Jeep at the West Houston Jeepers. It was well, it was a combination, but the West Houston Jeepers uh, Jeep Fest uh, that I went to, the Jeep Jam that I went to, uh, there was a black Jeep there, and it had a sticker on the back. And I'm going to butcher it, uh, 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 Clint. So tell me, what does it say? She's got it where it counts, kid. 
Yeah, the Han Solo oh. thing. That's what he's got on the back of his Jeep. He was uh, pointing out to me today that that was uh, the sticker on the back of his Jeep. And it's very true. Uh, The the YJ wasn't uh, a lot to look at whenever you compare it to all the the JKs that were out there and the JKUs that were all fancied up. But you could definitely tell it was a go-anywhere vehicle. And actually, mine started out as even a uh, worse model than that. Mine was a Renegade. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. With the big flares and all that stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I butchered it. It's all chopped up and hacked up and one tons and everything else. Yeah, well. That's what we do, right? You got got to do what you got to do as well, I always say. It's a lot more fun this way. Yes. I noticed it says you're a current at-large member rep for TMTC. What is TMTC? So TMTC is Texas Motorized Trail Coalition. Um, what they did, uh, we had some political stuff take place back in the late nineties here. And, um, so like, like I was saying, uh, Texas is 97% privately owned. There's no BLM land. There's no public access land. So what these guys did is petition the state for monies in, as in accordance to Senate bill 155, um, to say, Hey, you guys are just shutting down all this public access, we kind of need a little bit of money in order to um, go ahead and maybe off uh, open up off-road parks. So what they did was they petitioned it, they got the grants, and they purchased the property. The very first property located outside of Gilmer, Texas, um, and opened it back in 2000, uh, and it's been in operation ever since. What's the terrain like uh, out at Gilmer? I've never been. Um... I mean, Tony, in your XJ, you could do it. You could you could really have a lot of fun out there. I can have a lot of fun. There's there's guys with buggies. Um, like I said, we did a, an event last weekend. I had guys out there in full two buggies. To uh, <laughs> one guy actually took his bone stock Dodge Ram four by four, went wheeling with us. Oh wow! And shoved that pickup truck down trails. So is it mud or rock or both? No, it's 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 not mud. It's rocky. Yeah, I figured it probably was being that part of Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, now, do you have um, the park des- uh, broken up to where you have different levels of trails? Yes. So people know. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Um, they're they're they do a five diamond system. One being a like an access road, and five being you can't even walk up this. Um, that's how the trails are designated. Uh-huh. Oh, that's cool. a lot of, a lot of ledges. Um, oh, no, there's a, uh, there's a driving technique called the Gilmer bump, um, <laughs> that you the have Gilmore to adapt bump? to, to get it up things. Yeah. I think I that was popularized. I, I think that was I popularized in Gilmore girls. Um, yeah. Gilmer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it had to work for the joke. Here, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> ha, 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 ha. So uh, go ahead. There's a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of challenges out there. You can definitely spend all weekend. So you mentioned, uh, or we were discussing before the show, you mentioned that you guys were actually trying to uh, get more fun so you can do more things with the parks in Texas. And, and by the way, as a Texan, thank you. Uh, I remember we were driving across Texas with my uh my girls and my wife, we were looking for fossils and I couldn't believe how many fences there are in Texas. I think we went all the way to, through, uh, through central and west Texas and not to a park or anything. We were just uh, in a newly lifted Jeep trying to find something to do. 
and there was no place that I could find uh, from uh, at least my, my my view there on the road of just taking it off road. I, I was on highway the, or back roads the entire time. It was just sad. Right. Yeah. And and that's true. Um, and being into this as long as I actually have the we I've seen off road parks come and go and. You know, there's multitudes of, of places to to choose from now. I don't know if it's going to be that way in five years, 10 years. You know, family members open parks, family members pass away, family, you know, right. other family members want to, you know, land grab or whatever. And then that's, you know, gets places shut down. Um, the, the unique thing about TMTC is the fact that we have to stay open, meaning we have a 50 year lease kind of thing. We have to be open. That's interesting. Um, I guess I really don't know. Now, the, the, the Gilmer, Texas one is Barnwell. Is that what you were saying earlier? Correct. Barnwell Mountain Recreational Area or BMRA now, for short. Now, there's, there's fees to go off-road in that, at that facility, correct? Yes. Not, not, and they're comparable to whatever you'd find if you go to Hidden Falls or some of the other off-road parks in Texas. Okay. So do those fees help with all the parks that you guys uh, run in Texas or just that one park or is that going to somebody's pocket? No, no, no. It does not go to somebody's pocket. It basically goes back into the fund to, for park operations, um, improvements to the park, as well as uh, some of those funds do also uh, try to find their way into the other off-road park that they're still in development with. Okay. So you uh, you mentioned again before the uh, before the interview that you actually go out to uh, these parks across Texas and do physical hard labor, uh, keep trying to keep the things the way they need to be. I think the way you put it was they uh, like uh, the the Barnwell location. They mm-hmm. tell you what to do and you go take care of it. So yes. you don't do it alone, do you? No, they they usually organize work weekends. Um, and the cool thing about a work weekend is if you're up there to work, like and and we're talking even just clearing a couple, you know, clearing trees or picking up trash or sorting your campsite or doing trail maintenance, your wheeling fees are free for the weekend. The only thing you pay for is camping. So uh, do you guys accept anybody to, to, to volunteer and help you guys? And if so, how do they how do they go about volunteering and getting involved in this? Of course, anyone is more than welcome to. Um, all you need to do is find out when they're doing work weekends and show up. Um, sometimes the, the club like Texas four wheel drive, will put it out there and say, Hey guys, we're going to go up here for a work weekend. Um, okay, cool. If you're interested, come on with us. But all you basically have to do is you go there on a work weekend. You say, Hey, I'm, I'm here to help y'all clean up. No problem. Your, your wheeling fees are covered. You go in, you're done. So you, and they'll sign you to a group and you guys go do stuff. Now, what about the slackers that just say they're going to the help? They don't do a damn thing and they just go off wheeling. <laughs> um, that's why we put you with a group. It doesn't happen. <laughs> I understand. It never happens. People wouldn't do that. <laughs> I mean, there's a couple of years ago, I uh, there was a trail called Chaos Canyon up in Gilmer, and uh, it's a really fun trail. It's a four it's a four diamond trail, so it's pretty difficult and pretty technical. And uh, we built a bridge. These guys, they, 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 they carved us up into groups and they're like, okay, you group a, you guys go pick up trash and group B, you guys go clear trees group C, you guys are going to build this bridge on this trail. And we're like, all right, cool. No problem. We were done in two hours. We were already back up eating lunch and everybody else came back and they're like, how did you guys build this bridge so fast? Cause there was 10 of us. Oh, okay. 
And and forgive my novice question here, but when you say build a bridge, exactly what kind of bridge are you yeah. talking about? Telephone poles stretched over a creek with, uh, I want to say those are probably two by 12s and, screwed down. Okay, that was going to be my next question. If uh, maybe you just lashed it with leather and rope or something you no, know, that would look no, cool for no. the group. <laughs> Nothing that primitive. <laughs> It would look nice. Hey, Clint, let me uh, let me ask you a quick question here um, about uh, have you guys done any like new trail systems where there hasn't been a trail system there before and you go through the process of designing and, and cutting it in and and have you gotten into any of that sort of stuff yet? Um, so Barnwell's been established for almost 20 years now. So the the new trails that pop up are very few and far between because we're trying not to carve everything up. You know what I mean? To where we have constant trails crisscross over the top of each other and you can't keep it straight. So um, there's more than, uh, I believe, the motorcycle trail. Oh, and that's the other thing, too, is at Barnwell, they actually allow motorcycles, side-by-sides, you know, ATVs, four-wheelers, and OHVs, Jeeps, trucks, what have you. Um, so on the motorcycle trail, there's like 34 miles of trails for motorcycles. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, definitely spend a weekend on same, that. Almost the same. Yeah, I definitely could spend a weekend on that. Um, now, this is something you may not want to discuss, and that's fine. Just tell me you'd rather not say. What is your biggest pet peeve with the people going to the park? Trash. <laughs> yeah, I figured it would be. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that. Why, Trash. Yeah, why I, people I, have to I, do honestly, that. like I said, I had an event last weekend. My Jeep is in the garage right now, and I know for a fact there's still a trash bag in the back of that thing from trash we picked up on the trails. Well, I, I wheel with a trash bag uh, in the, on the back of the Jeep, you know, pretty much every time I go out. And, and that's one of the things I'm always looking out for, whether we're stopping at, you know, for, for a lunch break or, uh, you know, we're just at, at a stopping point on the trail. Somebody's got to, you know, air down or something like that. Take a quick peek around. If there's something, you know, laying around that shouldn't be there, and you pick it up and you, you haul it out with you. Um, yes, you know, thankfully. Out here in, in, in Oregon, we've got a lot of people that kind of have that same sort of mindset. So we don't see a whole lot of that. But I, I volunteer every April with a, with a, a group called Solve. And uh, we go out in, out in the woods, out in, the, in some of these wheeling destination spots and, and pick up a lot of the, the litter and stuff like that as well. I, I'm glad to hear that down in Texas, you guys have that same stewardship with the land management uh, that we kind of do up here with the, the local off-road clubs getting involved with the land management to to improve and, and maintain the trail systems and stuff. Yeah. I mean, we want it just, we want it nice, just like everybody else. Um, I mean, and this even goes to, and I'm not talking about just beer cans and water bottles. I'm talking cause, cause Barnwell's kind of hard on driveline parts. And, uh, every now and then you'll find an axle shaft or a drive shaft on the trail. Hmm. Um, pick that up too. <laughs> wow. Uh, that would be, uh, I mean, I guess whenever it's toast, it's toast and you don't need to take it back, but you would think that people would pick their stuff up. Um, Most of the time we find U-joints and U-joint caps. Yeah, that makes sense. I was going to say, if, if I had a dollar for every U-joint cap that I found on the trail, <laughs> I'd probably be able to buy myself a new set of tires. <laughs> right? They recycle, remember that. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you've had uh, just one uh, interesting moment uh, that, that that stands out in your mind, but has there been uh, any one thing uh uh, asteroid impact, uh, uh, mass insurrection, anything that's gone on that, uh, that you could tell us about? Um, yeah, actually. So, uh, many years ago, there used to play, be a place called, uh, Shiloh Ridge. It was located outside of Alto. That, um, that right. park is now shut down due to family and death and stuff like that. 
But uh, we were up there one time wheeling, and it was very shortly after the uh, the shuttle incident, and it oh, yeah. burned up over Texas. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. We were out there that weekend. I mean, there's FBI helicopters flying around and people driving in vans and picking up random pieces of tinfoil and stuff. It was really interesting to see. Yeah, I bet. Uh, such such a, a shame, but it was amazing, uh, all that debris uh, being strewn across Texas like that. It uh, was. I mean, and we're in the out, right outside the small town in the middle of nowhere, and they're out working. And and basically, they told us they were like, "Hey, if you see anything, do not touch it, but tell us where it is." Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't enlist a bunch of uh, off roaders to help find that uh, debris. Uh, w- no, we didn't hear anything about that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, is there uh, a way that people can uh, contact you, contact the group, uh, social media, emails, anything like that? Of course, uh, uh, Texas Four Wheel Drive organization all over Facebook. Um, if you <clears throat> if you're in the Houston or surrounding areas or even Dallas, we're always looking for new chapters as well. I mean, even if you've got like yourself and you live in a small town, but you got about five or six buddies and you guys already, this is the funny part. When you put on a meeting with your buddies, it makes it a lot easier. Um, <laughs> if you want to start up your own chapter, you know, just go ahead and contact us. We'll be more than happy to facilitate that. You would get the experience and knowledge of people actually trying to help you out. I see a lot of times that these little these groups will spring up and they're kind of short lived and they kind of fizzle out sometimes and sometimes they go really strong and uh, we try to you know help them out as well. Um, we're kind of like we try to be the big buddies and the big brothers to uh, to to help out because that's what it's all about. I mean, get out there, have fun, and um, you know just make it an enjoyable experience for everyone that's in, interested in in coming out. So I learned something tonight about the uh, Texas four-wheel drive uh, uh, dang deal. Uh, I thought that Texas four-wheel drive was just the KD thing. I didn't realize that you guys were everywhere. So that that once a Friday, once a, a month Friday meeting that happens here just a couple of miles from my house, that's not your meeting that you go to. No, actually, uh, I believe the current president's name is Sean. Okay. That was going to be my next question. So he was actually a, one of the guys that helped do the Jeep and Jam thing, too. Okay. So uh, that's a pretty big chapter here in KD, then. Yeah. Okay, great. We're all quite large. So I don't know if you mentioned this already, but as far as the group goes in Texas, uh, about how many members do you have? Uh, I knew I'd get a question in, in there. Texas, yeah. I think it's over 5,000. Wow. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. Lord. Well, you should see the number of four-wheel drives that have pulled up that, that Wings place that I'm talking about in Katy. That's why I thought it was just, you know, was centered in Katy because there's so many vehicles there. Uh, well, that's great. It, very interesting. I'm glad that you uh, could make time to be on the uh, the show with us tonight and uh, do this uh, this awesome interview. And uh, thank you uh, so very much. And uh, you, I would assume you guys have a, a regular monthly meeting as well. Yes, sir, we do. Um, ours are the second Fridays of every month. We are at uh, Bubba's Texas Burger Shack, mm. if you've ever eaten there. Uh, it sounds good. <laughs> uh, they do buffalo burgers. Oh, okay. So, at uh, West Park in 610. All right. So uh, the you got another meeting coming up. Uh, are you going to be playing this episode or at least this interview uh, during the entire uh, meeting time? Just forego any uh, notes or anything like that and just play this interview? Ah. 
I I've been I've been told I wing it, but uh, I don't think I'm going to wing it that much. <laughs> right. But uh, when this one's published, I told the rest of my chapter and the rest of the guys because um, there's several guys that I talk to on a daily basis that all listen to your podcast. Oh, great! And uh, oh, I told wow. them that I would actually post this interview up when uh when it's made available so it'll be shared around in some social media as well excellent oh that's awesome <laughs> it was great talking to you and um maybe when i go visit my niece one of these days i can go out to one of these parks and check it out and i'm telling you tony you missed it you missed a great event last weekend though it sounded like it'd been a lot of fun you know i don't know if you've been keeping up but my transfer case is sick so the only place i get to go to is back and forth from work oh that's no fun no uh, stretch chain again uh, yeah that's a, that's the pleasure of a 231 <laughs> well it's a 242 thank you very much oh it is a 242 yeah all right well, corrected all right clint well thank you so very much and thank you very much yeah we'll uh we'll talk to you later all right thanks y'all hey big thanks again to clint duncan from the texas four-wheel drive organization for taking the time to talk with us this week really appreciate that and hey if you guys have an idea for a guest to be on the jeep talk show well we'd love to hear from you just email us your suggestions to info at jeeptalkshow.com. You can even hear them contact us. Oh, yeah. We'd love to have them uh, contact us. Uh, it makes it so much easier on me to schedule people when they contact me. <laughs> uh, but uh, or, or it doesn't have to be an individual. It can be a company that you're interested in hearing from, and we'll uh, do our damnedest to uh, try to contact them and uh, get them on the line here, so to speak. Um, I really like the idea of Dana uh, being a guest. I think that would yeah, be uh, that would reach be a out wonderful. To them. Yeah. yeah, especially to talk about the new plant and uh, and talk about the new generation of axles coming up in the Jeep. So yeah, that might be something we'll have to try and and, and get lined up. And if you guys have a suggestion, uh, or maybe even you yourself are an industry rep, well, reach oh, out yeah. to us. We'd love to have you on the show. Yeah, I, and I don't care if you're worried about plugging something or plugging your business or something. That's what one of the reasons why we want you on here. We'd like for our, our listeners to know about it. So. Don't worry about that. Small or large, we'd love to uh, talk to you. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, you talked last week about fire extinguishers, and uh, <laughs> Nikki G is definitely afraid of fire. And I probably own more fire extinguishers than any adult should be allowed to have. But uh, a lot of them I, uh, I switch out every other year. And uh, I take the old ones, and I give it to the kids and let them uh, play with it in the backyard. I'll start a bunch of little <laughs> tiny, like, set of newspaper or something on fire. And uh, just about every kid in the neighborhood comes over and waits in line to, to use a fire extinguisher. That's my little contribution to humanity. And uh, I want to talk about Nate. Nate, you left out one of the most important reasons to take children wheeling with you. So their little tiny hands can fit perfect in between the seat and the console. So when you drop your phone, they can retrieve it. True. Most of the times, they don't charge you for that. They just do it for free. <laughs> and, uh, Tammy, you talked about uh, your uh, steering stabilizer got damaged, your Yeti. And uh, I've got a new catchphrase now. I used to, whenever we got in the car, I would say, all right, let's get this pack of turtles rolling. But I no longer say, let's get this pack of turtles rolling. It's now, let's go bang this Yeti. <laughs> I know. I'm going to run around the house saying, bang the Yeti. My wife's driving me up the wall. She's, she's had enough of it. 
All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. Oh, gee. Well, Tammy's out there roughing that stuff up and uh, putting through its paces, so there's some damage is going to occur. Yes, and the, the damage was not on the Yeti, just to be clear. It was the Yeti damaging my steering stabilizer. That steering stabilizer has seen a very hard life out this there. This is my, my second one. Yeah. You do like Josh and just get rid of it. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, they say you don't need it, but... That's what they say. I don't know. Uh, I'm... I'm just glad that uh, the word's getting out that uh, a better steering stabilizer is not going to stop uh, uh, death wobble. You know, we probably should right. revisit death wobble again. I, I recently yeah, saw like, a death wobble question on a Facebook page. I was just, I was going to say I recently seen a couple pop up here, uh, and so I think that's going to it's going to be about time that we uh, we readdress that. So here in the next couple few weeks, we'll probably be uh, hitting up the the death wobble. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, Tammy, uh, let's. Uh, oh, and I was laughing at the, the fire extinguisher thing because we have a whole fire extinguisher theme tonight. Yes, I know we tonight. sure yeah. do. And just the <laughs> just the the uh, the idea of uh, Nikki G giving uh, children a death device to play with because more more than likely it's one of those uh, kitty fire extinguishers. And <laughs> just it's like you don't know. And it was recorded before the before this information came out, so he doesn't know, folks. So don't get you know don't right. call the CPS on him. <laughs> And he was just kidding. Yeah, he was. I hope. Although, you know, teaching kids how to put up a fire, put out a fire with their fire extinguisher is, fire extinguisher is not a bad idea. They need to know right, how to work right. it. But I damn, gonna if say, it's going to. You know, at least he's teaching them a skill. But just keep, right. remember when you're teaching them that the, the contents of the uh, fire extinguisher are under a lot of pressure and they should treat it like a, a, a gun. They need to point that thing away from themselves. And I'm talking about the top. It should not be pointing at their head or their body because of like this death that Josh was talking about earlier. So, uh, you know, teach them that that little plastic piece on top uh, could come off of there when they're not expecting it. And you'd much rather them be scared than injured. Yeah. All right, Tammy, let's, uh, let's talk about this, uh, this product review. The, uh, what is it? Uh, how do you say that? Bartac? Bartac. Uh, fire Bartac. extinguisher mount. That's, that sounds cool. Is it Velcro? Yeah, last week um, in the must-have section, um, I talked about um, a fire extinguisher mount for the Jeep Wranglers. Um, yeah, I don't think you could put it on your Cherokees. Well, if anyway, it, had a, it had an internal roll bar, you probably could. Yeah, probably. Anyway, um, I asked folks on Facebook for some suggestions for a fire extinguisher mount um, to put my on my Jeep and they suggested the Bartek fire extinguisher mount, which I bought and here it is. Um, I don't know if you guys can see it. This is the, a little padded nylon holder, um, with some webbing like the Molly webbing and it has this little elastic loop. So you're supposed to put your fire extinguisher in the little, um, holder and then you take these Velcro straps, which have this metal buckle, and you wrap it around your roll bar, and it sits up on your roll bar. And it's really cool. You can put it in your where your rear window is. So if you need to get at it, you just unzip your windows if you're a soft-top owner. Um, and it's really sturdy. It's very well-made, and it fits the padded and the non-padded roll bars. However... Make sure you check your weight of your fire extinguisher. Mine is 3.5 pounds. So the diameter is bigger than a 2.5 pound, which 
this is made for a 2.5 pound fire extinguisher. Mine does not fit. So I have contacted, so I have a, a mount and a fire extinguisher, but they don't go together. So it's, yeah. So now I got to get a 3.5 mount and a 2.5 fire extinguisher. So I really will have two fire extinguishers, which I have heard so many people say it's a really good idea to have two. So anyway, Brian from Route 16 is kindly helping me search out another fire extinguisher and another mount, um, which I will be able to tell you guys all about when I get that second mount. Um, anyway, I highly recommend this for you Wrangler owners. It's an excellent, um, very sturdy, very well-made um, mount, and it's by Bartek. So if uh, if uh, Brian from Route 16 uh, actually recommends a, a, a kitty fire extinguisher, we'll know he's not listening to the show. Right. Oh, and <laughs> by the way, this is made in the USA. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I would be a little concerned. Uh, th- is there any kind of warning with that thing about where you should place it? Uh, because if it's Velcro uh, only, I would be concerned about that uh, 2.5 or 3.5 pound uh, fire extinguisher becoming a projectile in a no, off-road incident or in an accident. That's what this little... Um, uh, what do you call this is elastic loop it hooks around it so it stays on and the way this i i, I don't think it's going to come off all right well so, is, so there's no warnings really with the instructions about no placing it this, too high or anything like that and just keep it no. out of heat um yeah that's true um i don't know it's it seems pretty durable to me and uh i, I think it'd be a good idea to make sure that you point the direction of the uh the nozzle uh, away from people's uh, heads or bodies uh, from what we learned tonight. Yeah. Correct. You know what I mean? Uh, yep. Might think you were a uh, a sniper victim and find out it was your fire extinguisher going off. Uh, no, seriously. I mean, uh, I've, I've never thought about the top popping off of those things, but under such pressure, it, it would be very devastating uh, to be hit by that. Hurt like hell if uh, if you survived it. The Jeep Talk Show. It's not about us. It's about you, the listeners. It's Tim from Torrance. Hey, Jeepers. This is uh, Rob from Antonio, Texas. Hey, guys. It's Cody with TrailChasers.net with another grand adventure. Hey, guys. This is Cody from Indiana. Hello, Jeep Talk Show crew. This is FJ Rick. Hi, guys. This is Joe. If a turtle doesn't have a shell, is he naked or homeless? Hey, guys. This is Ron out in Arizona. Hey, what's up? Jeep Talk Show. This is Jason, Oregon Trail Off-Road. Hi, this is Jake from California, and I'm sitting here eating pork rinds for breakfast. Hey, this is uh, PAG Freak. Hey, Tony, Josh, Danny, Sexy, Jake calling. This is John, Free Runner in 1982, and on today's Radio Contact segment, I'm going to talk about APRS, an anal probe restraint system. No! No, 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 that's not right. We love our listeners. You know, Josh, that reminds me, your subconscious has been offline for a while now. Have you been yeah, do, taking drugs to sleep or, or something? <laughs> I've been, I was thinking that same thing. I was like, we haven't heard from my subconscious in a long time. Ah, well, hopefully, uh, your subconscious, I still have the number and it hadn't changed. I'll have to contact it and see uh, uh, why we haven't heard from it. Well, there's a nice fire going here. I hope it doesn't get out of uh, out of its bounds because we would might be in danger yeah. for more than one reason. 
Well, I know that the uh, fire extinguisher that I have in my Jeep is uh, is not going to be uh, worthwhile, or at least uh, one that we could rely on. As we heard at the top of the show, I'm affected by this recall, and I've got my fire extinguisher right here. Uh, Tammy kind of beat me to the point uh, talking about about her being affected. Uh, same same sort of thing. I, I don't even know if she's got the same fire extinguisher or, or what, but uh, but yeah. That's uh, one of these things I heard about this, and I was like, well, I know I've got a couple fire extinguishers around the house, and uh, one of them just happened to be a Kid A, and uh, yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out. There's all sorts of different numbers you got to look at. And I don't well, know I didn't want to do it affected. during the show, but... Um, I know. Uh, I was, <laughs> of course. Yeah, this weekend, <laughs> this weekend, I'll be going over to the website, and if I can't figure things out over there, I'll, I'll give the number a call, and and figure out what I got to do. And I'm, I'm sure it's going to be one of these things to where, okay, all the fire extinguishers that we're shipping out now are okay type of thing. And here's a, here's a, a you know, coupon or a voucher for, you know, a replacement three pound fire extinguisher or whatever it is. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be that, that type of thing. I, it, they may send us out a box or something like that. And we got to pack this thing up and ship it back to them and they'll recondition it and send it back to it. I, I have no idea how this is all going to work. So. It'll be interesting, but uh, nonetheless, I'll keep you guys informed as as to how my process went, what I had to do, and what they're going to do. How would you like to be the engineer or the engineering team that was uh, responsible for designing the the plug and the nozzle and stuff for 37 million fire extinguishers over 40 years and leading to the largest recall of fire extinguishers uh, as far as I know? Uh, I would not not want that on my resume. Yeah, no. I mean, you would think that that's, that's changed numerous times, and for it to be continuously a, an issue is surprising to me. Uh, well, here, Bob, it says on your resume that uh, you're an engineer. We're looking for an engineer. We happen to have an opening for a guy of your qualifications. Uh, what, what was it that you got that you designed uh, your last job? <laughs> I, uh, I I did the kitty kitty uh, fire extinguishers. Okay, great. Well, we'll call you. Don't call us. <laughs> <laughs> make like a fire extinguisher with a blown nozzle and get out of here. Um, so, uh, that's just, that's just a shame. I, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure that the, the, the fire extinguishers that I purchased recently to go in all the, the girls vehicles, uh, are these, uh, uh kitty, uh, fire extinguishers. Very likely. And in fact, probable yeah. even. And yeah. that's why I was well, saying. Well, they have great I mean, prices. I mean, just look, I mean, Tammy's over in Maryland. I'm over here in Oregon, opposite ends of the United States, and we both are affected by this exact same right. recall. So it's not right. regional, people. If you think, oh, well, that doesn't affect <laughs> me down here in California, you know, oh, me over here in Florida, I, you know, that's not going to touch my, you know, my neck of the woods. Nope, guys, this is uh, France, Canada, U.S. I mean, it's all over the place. So yeah, it's, yeah. I think that uh, they, they probably are safe in California because they do not allow fire extinguishers in California because they can be used <laughs> right. as projectile right. devices like a gun. So there oh, and they go. are known to cause cancer. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but only in the state of California. But uh, yeah, fortunately, you'll die of the injuries due to the fire before you would all of the cancer. I used to do that in Counter-Strike. I would uh, throw a smoke grenade and uh, get killed or something. I'd say, that's okay. In 30 years, they're going to die from cancer from that smoke grenade. I, I still got right. them. I still won. <laughs> <laughs> Play, I'm playing the long con here, people. People, yeah, <laughs> playing the long game. People are going, they're sitting there at their, in their cube at work going, did he say Counter-Strike? <laughs> the Counter-Strike <laughs> senses go, Tammy has no idea. Your kids don't play Counter-Strike, Tammy? They play so many games, I can't keep track of all of them. Yeah, I was going to say nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, well, guys. Yeah, what's going on with you, Tammy? Oh, um, 
I got two new decals on my Jeep. Um, I, I don't know if you can see this picture here. No, no it's an audio podcast. Oh, but I still want you to see it, Tony. <laughs> read it. Read it. What does it say? Oh, yeah. Where, I wanted to know where you put that. I, I was going to look at that picture again uh, when I saw it earlier today, and it was almost like uh, for a second I thought you pulled the Rubicon stickers off your hood and put this on no, there. No, no. It, it, is, it is on the hood. It's, okay. It, you know where the cowls, they, I guess they're called cowls. When the cowls come home, yeah. Yeah. Um, right there um, on the top of the hood, there's those two uh, separate pieces. Um, one's by the, the antenna. And, you know, like right there where the off-road lights are, that mm-hmm. little piece there. Mm-hmm. This one says, hashtag Black Jeep's Rock. Oh. <laughs> right on. If it's yeah. on a sticker, it must be true. Yeah, but then, it's in red, so that's unfortunate. Yeah, not. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty that would funny. Be, that would be funny. I'll have to colorize um, that for you. <laughs> oh, geez. You will do that, won't you? Thanks, Josh. Um, right. I'll, I'll be one of those the Photoshops. Here, I fixed it for you. <laughs> yeah. The other one I got is, and this is a really cool idea for all of you folks out there who have names of your Jeeps or you know, whatever. Um, mine is in cursive because I think it looks really cool. It says Jeep Mama um, for all you people out there watching. Oh, Wait, where'd no you come up with watching. that? Um, the cursive seems, one? Seems kind of random. No, the Jeep Mama oh, thing. Oh, the Jeep Mama? I don't know. I just kind of <laughs> pulled it out of my, my the hat. Anyway, I got the, deca- the decals from T-N-A. The letters T-N-A. Oh, I've heard of this, folks. Yeah. Yeah, they're um, they're in Pennsylvania. Um, they do a really good job. They they also do the ones um, which I really Windshield want. Windshield banners. Ones. Yeah, move I over. I haven't figured out what oh, I want I like up there those. yet. <laughs> yeah, and of course they're backwards so that you can read them uh-huh. clearly in a right. review. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, that's um, what I did. I was going to put my fire extinguisher mount on my Jeep today, but obviously. My fire extinguisher doesn't fit in my mount, and my fire extinguisher is probably recalled. So. It's it's always so difficult to uh, to get the fire extinguisher in the fire extinguisher holder in the heat of the moment. It's uh, always been a problem. See, it's a, a double meaning there with the yeah, heat of the moment the, and yeah. fire extinguisher. Yeah, we're, we're, we're moving right along. <laughs> you mentioned crickets earlier. Where's my crickets? Here you go. Yes. <laughs> Uh, oh, and there's this, especially out in the woods. Yes, it's Thanksgiving oh, yeah, it's month. Closer. You yeah, know, everybody's playing Christmas music now. You're like, I've, I've saw, I saw some posts Strangle about them. that. So, them. so I thought about this the other day, and perhaps this has crossed your mind as well. Josh, it probably has crossed your mind, and especially where you live. If, if Canada has Thanksgiving in October... And the United States has Thanksgiving in November, and you're living close to the Canadian border. Do you make friends in Canada so you can have two Thanksgivings? Oh, I would. <laughs> well, I've got fam- I got family up uh, up in the Great White North, so uh, that's uh, that's not that's a moot point for me. But oh, that means you can't be president. Yeah, but they do goose up there, don't they? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know if they like you. <laughs> At Christmas time, I think they do the Christmas goose. <laughs> Gee, I'll just sit over here. No white elephant for me, please. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I ain't got nothing going on. I just do this show and go to work and mind my own business. Well, actually, I got some goodies coming in from from Amazon. You know, things to play with. Especially looking forward to those headlights. I'm just, I'm, I'm just. Have you ordered your transfer case rebuild kit yet? I have not. Well, for f's sake, 
Well, but you're looking at about three hundred bucks for that thing, and I can give. Well, the, you just spent I can, a bill on those headlights. I'm just saying. Well, I, but that was just, I was going to say. Uh, I was, but, well, uh, I was going to say. But, but. I can do that, or I can give my wife the ability to see at night. Oh, your wife doesn't. And furthermore, need to see, at night. see what I'm saying? There yeah. you go. You see where I, I I thought about the chain. I thought, well, I could at least get the chain, and went, you know, I drove that Jeep for a week. I couldn't see. Yeah. No, safety first and all that. So, I, I mean, I like, I, I did upgrade the harness. I did upgrade the upgrade the headlights, but they're, they still suck. Now, what I was going to say is I'm concerned that I'm going to put these things in there and my wife is going to be too concerned for her fellow uh, travelers and She's not want drive them at night. <laughs> and not want those in there anymore. And I'll have to put them, put the old ones back in. You know, I have had mine on for, gosh, how long? Over a year now. And no one you has turn them off ever, sooner or later. Yeah. No one has ever <laughs> flicked their lights at me. Not once. Oh, that's good. No, but I mean, it, it's, a, it's a concept thing here. I mean, if, if she feels like it is too bright because she can now see where she's going, she's going to go, uh, oh, they're so nice, but I'm concerned. Somebody, I'm going to get pulled over and somebody's going to get upset and shoot me and all these things that, uh, uh, that she tells me about. And I just, I just say, you know, you being able to see at night, especially on I-10 driving 70 miles an hour, I think is a better, a better thing. And it's not like everybody uh, else doesn't have brighter lights. You can see the newer vehicles oh, yeah, they're with all the insanely over the bright lights. And, and those aren't aftermarket. Those are brand new vehicles with very bright lights. So, yep. you know, why should you be the, the, the kind one? Uh, I mean, I think it is it's people with certain uh, vision issues, probably elderly people will have a harder time. Uh, driving at night with all these bright lights in their eyes, uh, but if they have bright lights on their their car the, or, or vehicle they're driving, they probably will be able to see better. But anyway, I don't know. I want to put them in. We'll we'll go from there. It, excited about that. It's always fun to make little Jeep uh, alterations, especially ones Ooh. that are so important, like being able to see at night. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I've got to get the transfer case. You know, we were talking about lockers earlier, and I'm thinking to myself, man, i got to get those lockers installed. And then the, 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 the bit clicked, and I went, well, yeah, but I probably should get a transfer case working. <laughs> Cause, yeah, that would be a good idea because you can't use the lockers. No, you can the use them. Case. <laughs> you can use the lockers. It doesn't do much good. I mean, I guess they would do good on the back. Oh, and uh, Tammy, I was going to ask you earlier about the locker thing and that little hill that you were trying to get over. Did you engage the uh, front and rear or just the front to get you over that little hill? Um, on the Rubicon, you, if you want the front, you have to have the rear. Interesting. You can only, yeah. Um, you could do just the rear, but you can't do just the front. See, Jeep thinks rears, the rear lockers are more important than the front. This is what that tells me. Well, it's for right. drivability primarily. What difference would that make? Well, with the with both front wheels locked up together, uh, it's easier to push through a turn if you're in mud or snow. And so you can have about as much traction control uh, with the rear locked up as far as, you know, being able to, you'll have three wheels instead of, you know, four, right. um, you know, locked up and turning, uh, having power, um, you know, to get you through that obstacle. And, and then being able to actually navigate a tight turn without risking pushing through it or having that turn radius altered because you don't have that inside wheel able to turn, you know, slower than the right. outside. 
um, then your your turn radius becomes much larger, and all of a sudden now you're doing three point turns around these switchbacks <laughs> yeah. uh, because uh-huh. you know your front end is locked up. So well, uh, th- that's why I was thinking on the the, the little uh, thing she was trying to get over that the the front lock would be good as long as you weren't turning. Uh, I have heard that you know turning is a is a bear yeah. because of that. I mean, yeah, just for like hill climb stuff. Yeah, uh, the the front would be I, I think would be better uh, as far as a hill climb. That's you what I was that, thinking. That front yeah. end to dig and, and pull you up. Yeah, uh, especially if you're you know once you get over the peak. Uh, the right. front tires are going to be having the, the you know the best advantage at that point, and so you, you'd want them locked up once you once you hit that crest. Oh, I was going to ask this earlier because Tammy, you were talking about not having enough experience with your lockers. Couldn't you uh, take? Uh, uh, you can go to a parking lot someplace and play with all that, can't you? I mean, you're not going to yeah, damage anything. Will no, you? that's not. Well, I mean, well, I, I, I going if it was a dirt, further, if it was a dirt parking it was lot, dirt, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Why? But, what, I mean, if you're going straight, what difference does it make? Well, you really, they really suggest that you don't put your um, Jeep in four-wheel low on asphalt. Right, but that that's because you've got the, the front and the rear uh, locked together unless you've got an MP242 transfer case like I do. Uh, but so if you have it uh, where it's uh, part-time four-wheel drive, uh, if you have an option, uh, you don't want to turn because you can put too much stress on the transfer case and uh, other things that'll bind up in a turn. But if you're going straight and you're playing with the lockers just to get used to it, I, I don't, I don't see a downside to it. That's the reason why I was asking that. I, I, I may be not thinking it all the way through. Yeah. There um, are I, subtle differences. Know. There's subtle differences between the, the, the front and rear. I mean, even though it's like, okay, yeah, they're both going to have, you know, four eleven gears or, you know, whatever there, but you know, there, there's a lot of other variables. I mean, a, a couple pounds difference of air in one tire to the other, front to rear it's going to create i mean a tenth of a difference i mean a decimal point is what we're talking about here you know in in gear ratio differences between the front and the rear and on dry cement you know you could start doing some damage i'm not i'm not saying you're going to grenade your transfer case just by going 35 feet on dry cement in a straight line um but it's it's really not intended for that you're 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 forcing mechanical functions of a vehicle in a situation that's not intended to. And, and for the sake of, of just engaging a locker, I mean, you could find yourself in other situations to do that, uh, to get that sort of practice. I, I would always recommend against engaging a four-wheel drive vehicle on dry pavement, and especially in conjunction with lockers. You're just asking for problems. So I was thinking about the uh, the caller that uh, told us, uh, I actually asked the question about uh, going and stop and go traffic. Does it hurt putting his uh, Jeep into, uh, um, I don't know if it was low or not, but putting it in four-wheel drive, uh, it was low because that way yeah, he could just low and just he could just let off the gas and just kind of coast through traffic. <laughs> yeah, yeah I remember that. That would, that would be an excellent, I thought it was brilliant. Uh, it would be an excellent place to try out your lockers as well. <laughs> just <to laughs> have fun while you're in stop and go traffic. And you never can tell if the jerk in front of you doesn't move, you can just crawl up his ass. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, anyway, I thought I'd throw that out there because I, I, I realize that whenever you're out there on the trails, Tammy, that you probably are not just thinking about how to work the lockers. And it needs to have, as Joshua put it, you need to have that muscle memory so that it's just, you know, you've, right. you've trained. And you know, yeah, you know how long to wait and there's no questioning of it. The, the automatic right. uh, nature of the brain from uh, repetition. So, uh, and, and for you know, the look, most part, um, everyone's like, Oh, are your lockers on? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't need them. And um, I've been able to do most of the stuff without the lockers, but I'm doing greens and blue trails. Right. Once I get into those black trails, 
I might have to start using them more. I uh, you betcha. I get those ARBs in my XJ. I'm driving everywhere with lockers on. Well, until I try to uh, make that first turn. Right. See. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, speaking of going everywhere, let's uh, talk about where you can go wheeling uh, and where it can be. Yeah, that's where we're going to talk about some events that are coming up in your neck of the woods and around the nation. Hey, if anybody is going to the 36th annual Hump and Bump in Las Vegas, Nevada Ooh. this weekend, give the show a call, please. When you get back, we'd love to hear how it went. Uh, coming up here, well, actually, in fact, it's uh, starting tomorrow and going on for the next three days after. After that, in Las Vegas, Nevada, SEMA, the Special Equipment Manufacturers Association, it's the big show. Head over to SEMAshow.com to find what, what that's all about. Uh, have it happening a little bit later. Well, next week, November 10th through the 12th, Parker Four Wheelers presents the Desert Splash 2017 in La Paz County Park in Parker, Arizona. For more information on this event, head over to ParkerFourWheelers.net. And, of course, if you guys have an event, well, by all means, let us know. If, you, if your club has a club run, even... Or as we are nearing, well, the end of the show season, more or less, guys, we are entering, entering in the, uh, the dead of winter, and we've got some holiday events coming up here. We are going to be wrapping up our wheeling wear segment uh, for the winter months. But if you guys want to get in before the end of the year, let us know about your club's uh, charity events, or uh, if you are a retailer and, and have a uh, charity event coming up, you want to get the word out, well, drop us a line uh, send an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com. We'd love to hear about your event. And, of course, we will spread the word. Well, I mean, if somebody comes up with something during the uh, the winter that they got going on, uh, we'll we'll have a wheeling wear segment for it, right? Yeah, sure. So oh, yeah. don't not send us things because uh, you think we're not going to be doing wheeling wear is what I'm telling you. Hey, guys, if you do know of an off-road event coming up, shoot us an email with some details. Have you been to a event recently? Well, let us know what you thought and what you saw. Call our 7 voicemail line at 530-675-4102. Leave a message tonight or today. We would love to hear from you. Hey, we're still doing that survey. Please take a moment and take our survey at jeeptalkshow.com slash survey. And we love hearing from our listeners. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and Google. We are all over the web. Just go to your favorite social media site and search for Jeep Talk Show. We'll find us. Hey, join us on the Jeep Talk Forum. Pictures, stories, and more detailed how-to or ask questions of the hosts. That's jeeptalkforum.com. Hey, and you can call us anytime and leave us a voicemail at 530-675-4102. And you'll even hear it on the show. Love those voicemails. Don't forget, we have a free application for your phone or tablet. Just go to the Apple Store or Google Play and search for Deep Jeep Talk Show. You'll find our app right there, and it's free. Free. Hey, free. Making a purchase <laughs> online or on Amazon, be sure to go to jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon first. Hey, folks, and don't forget to follow me on my Jeep journey as I write about it on my blog. That's at www.jeepmama.com. If you need a voice for your product or your business, by all means, reach out to me and my professional voiceover services at thevoiceofjosh.com. You can reach me directly at josh at thevoiceofjosh.com. Oh, and if you have a spare NP231J97 Plus, like for an XJ or any of them that'll fit in an XJ, please contact me, especially if you're in the Houston area. Uh, they're, they're too expensive to ship people. Well, that's it for this week, guys. Until next week, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. Friend us on Facebook. Circle us like vultures on Google+. And above all else, be sure to tell a friend about the Jeep Talk Show. So no matter where you're wheeling, 
pack it in. Make sure you pack it out. Let's leave our outdoor recreation and our wheeling destinations in as good, if not better, condition than they were when we arrived. Remember to always tread lightly. Stay on designated trails and don't wheel where you're not supposed to. If you'd like to learn more about the Tread Lightly principles and how you can help keep our trails and public lands open for off-road use, please head over to www.treadlightly.org. Don't forget, if you have an interview idea, let us know the name, the company, or better yet, contact them and have them call us. Info at jeeptalkshow.com. since 2010.